0: in Ephesians chapter 5 today. Y'all can flip over there. And uh, guys, it's great to be together. We've had a couple awesome weekends here at North River. And uh, to start out, you know, we're going to be doing our foundation series, walking through the foundations of our faith that we're celebrating today. But I just had to highlight a couple uh, things that have been going on. You know, last week we had Michael Burns. That was an amazing message. I figured I'd just repeat his message again and again and again. But uh, we also had, you might wonder, you know, Michael's been around a lot. Like, well, why is he here? He actually comes out four times a year for our Atlanta School of Missions. Him and Jeff Hickman are our, our co-academic directors for Atlanta School of Missions. Tom and I help direct and train. And then Michael and Jeff help teach. We got 20 young ministers here in Uh, North River and around the Southeast that are part of the school of missions. But we want you guys to know more and more so that you could use this incredible resource. We have four courses a year that we go through, and uh, it's like seven or eight classes per course. There's reading, things like that. If you want to enroll in something like that, please talk to Jeff or I, or you can come just audit and join the lessons, not have to do all the homework. We had an awesome time talking about preaching and teaching last weekend. And uh, today, actually, for the students, starts our new course spiritual disciplines. So if you want to go deeper in that, uh, please talk to us. We've got a couple sessions coming up. So we had that last weekend, but in these last two days, brothers, what did we do? Come on, men's weekend. It was awesome to be together. It was powerful to be together. Ben Barnett preached the word. We prayed together, sat yesterday morning. We played all kinds of games. Me and Alex Jackson got heated over spades. Man, it was... It was good. You can't play spades without getting into it. It's part of the game. You know what I'm saying? But um, it was such a special time for all of us to come together. And I, I, told, I told Toya last night, man, I can't remember the last time I felt like the brothers were this united intergenerational, cross-cultural, different geography around Atlanta, but us being together for two days was so special. We'll be able to highlight that more coming up. But we're, we're continuing in our uh, sermon series, and the title for today's message is Sin Blank. Sin Blank. And I don't know how you would fill in that statement. Where, where if, if you had to fill like fill in that blank, sin is, what noun would you call it? Or if it was a verb, what verb would you use, sin blank? And if this is your first time here, maybe you came out for the men's weekend and you came to church for the first time. Hey, welcome to our sin conversation. You know what I'm saying? Welcome. We've been in this foundation series talking about the foundations of our faith to strengthen ourselves, to help new people that are coming and learn about what Christianity is all about but also to equip us as we study the Bible with our friends. And what are, these, what are our core teachings that we really believe in? And today, we're talking about sin. Are you guys ready for this? So we're in Ephesians 5, if you're there in your Bible. And we're going to start in verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Man, I love this verse. It's one of my favorite identity statements in the New Testament where we're dearly loved children of God. Where we're, we are those people that walk in the way of love. That he loved us so much that he sacrificed for us. And, and you might say, well, that, this is kind of a, this isn't where I, we thought we were going to go first in Ephesians 5. There's a verse right. I think you might have started two verses too early, Jordan, if you know verse 3. But it's, I wanted to bring up a point before we kind of get into some passages specifically about sin. And I wanted as an intro to talk about this concept of grace and truth. Well, you remember that passage in John 1? It's such one of those kind of all-defining scriptures of who Jesus is. And it was that Jesus is full of grace and truth. It's grace and truth. It's not, it's not half grace and half truth. No, he's full of grace. There's no such thing as being too graceful. He's full of grace. But then, but then he's also full of truth. There's no such thing as being too truthful. No, he's full of truth. And he, he holds those, be- those two things together in a beautiful way. You know, I at times, have, I've messed up on this, personally and with people I'm trying to help. Where I've been, I've been uh, really full on grace of myself, but really low on truth of myself, and I end up writing off sin. But there's been other times where I'm too, I'm, I'm all full of truth, but I always have no grace for myself, and I just end up beating myself up. And then I can end up taking one of those those two demeanors and bring that to the people around me, and only being one instead of this beautiful balance of Jesus. You guys following? And I think Ephesians 5 is a beautiful picture of this, because right here in verse 1 and 2, it's a beautiful picture of grace and of love. We're dearly loved children. His sacrifice for us, but you know what's coming next. If you know your scriptures, it's one of the strongest scriptures on sin in the New Testament. And for Paul, inspired by the Spirit of Jesus, those two things were not at conflict, But the grace and the love worked beautifully with the truth about sin and the reality of heaven and hell. That's a beautiful partnership, as you see scripturally. And yet, in the world, we don't want that to go together. You guys following me? So we're bringing those two together. I say all that to say, as we go into this, this is not a shame-centered talk. This is a grace and truth-centered talk. When you hear some of these passages, I really pray That you don't go down a shame cycle of beating yourself up, but you have a godly sorrow to respond to the cross from a place of being incredibly loved as a child and wanting to repent from your sins. Can we do that together? So here's how we're going to go about this, all right? Uh, We're talking about sin blank, and here's the three things we're talking about today. Sin grows, sin brings death, but sin cannot stand the light. All right, so let's jump in this together uh, in Ephesians 5, verse 3. You guys with me? I didn't scare you off yet? Maybe in a couple minutes. (laughs) All right, Ephesians 5, verse 3. But Ben Barnett shared on Sunday, uh, on Friday night, I'm going to say something that tweaks you and makes you get mad at me. And he said, I like that. And I went, I like the way you preach, bro. (laughs) But Ephesians 5, verse 3 says, But among you... There must not be even a what? A hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Now, when Paul starts talking about sin right here, what does he not say? He doesn't say, among you, you should kind of get rid of most of sexual morality and and greed. Does he say that? No, he says, well, as long as you're not doing as much as the world in these areas, then that's where you should be. Or as long as you've, as long as you've you really narrowed it down to only a little bit, then you're good. No, he says, not even a hint. Why is Paul so serious about this? It's because he knows the truth about sin. He knows this truth right here, this high calling of not a hint, comes from this truth in sin in James 1. We'll come back to Ephesians 5. But in James 1, he says, uh, James, you know, talking to churches, says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted When they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown, full grown gives birth to death. Do you see how this grows? Then temptation starts with desire, and we're enticed by that desire. And then, and then that temptation gives birth to sin. But when it says sin full grown, what is it implying? That sin doesn't start out full grown. It starts as a baby, it starts small. And sin grows and grows and grows until it's full grown. And then that grows into taking you to death on earth and in the life to come. You guys, tracking. Sin grows. You know, uh, if we take a step back, there's a lot of things in this this world that we expect to grow. In fact, it would be weird if it didn't grow. I couldn't get up today and not talk about my son Camden. He turned five years old yesterday. You know, it's so exciting. We have a five-year-old. John, you said 60 doesn't seem as old as it used to. Having a five-year-old doesn't seem as old as it used to. Or maybe it does. I felt really old, actually. Anyways... Camden's five, and in this picture, if you could see, what, what we've done uh, is the picture within the picture within the picture is Camden as a baby holding his sonogram. And then a year later, he's holding that picture. Then at three years old, he's holding that picture. Then, and this is him at four-year-old holding a picture of a three-year-old holding the picture. You get that? If my son didn't grow, that would be weird. There, that would mean something's wrong with him. No, I expect him to grow. There's things like this in nature, right? Like, you know, trees, we expect trees to grow. I started a garden for the first time this summer. Any gardeners out there? Y'all can help me out. Yo, I I picked like 40 cucumbers. It was awesome, right? And nothing else grew. But, you know, we we did one thing. Um, But we we expect trees to grow. Where does Satan get us? Satan gets us when we don't expect sin to grow if it goes unchecked. If he can just convince you, hey, if I don't do anything about it, if I don't repent, if I don't confess, if I don't do anything about it, it won't grow. That's when Satan gets us. And so I want to expose this for a second and speak to the truth that we're seeing right here in James chapter 1. What are examples of sin growing? How over, not just the weeks, but how over the months and the years— Sin grow? You know, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 5, you know, so sin grows. So in Ephesians 5, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual morality and of any kind of impurity. Let's start, let's talk about this one. Let's do two of these examples, okay? What's a hint of sexual morality or of impurity? I'm not going to go into the intricacies of those two things right now, but we're just doing it from a macro level. Well, where it starts for most of us, I know if you're anything like me, in my past, when I've seen sin grow in this area, it started on social media, where there was a picture of someone in a bathing suit, and I hesitated over it, or maybe I clicked into it, and social media started to become sketchy, and then it, and then it grew, and it, it grew into sketchy TV shows, where now I'm watching shows that have that inappropriate scene or have nudity in it, and at first maybe I'm closing my eyes, but then over time I'm watching it we know when i was struggling in these things but it doesn't stop there does it and then it goes to pornography and masturbation where i'm not just watching it. You know, i'm not on social media anymore i'm not just on tv shows but now i'm intentionally looking up things to find and to be impure and moral and when i was stuck in these cycles it didn't just stop there it led to the way that I viewed the opposite gender, and I viewed them as objects for my pleasure first instead of dearly loved daughters of God. I started flirting or doing things impure with women, unfortunately, and, and, but it didn't stop there. And then finally, it, it grows into a all-out adultery or a porn addiction. Have you guys seen this cycle in your life? What Satan wants to lie to us about is that if we just stay with a hint on the left, it'll never grow. But if he can get you to not believe it'll grow, then he will convince you to not change. What about another one? What about greed? You know, I, uh, I asked our family group this, and I want to say a disclaimer before I jump into this. I appreciate my family group. Uh, Olu uh, Kasim, uh, Love His Convictions, was sharing this example, and I appreciated it. Um, so is successful inherently wrong? No, is work inherently wrong? No, of course not. It's, it's actually good or neutral, right? Like, we know there's plenty of men and women in the Bible that were extremely successful at what they did, and they glorified God through that. Then There's plenty of men and women in the Bible, even uh, our, our, our Lord and Savior Jesus, that was literally homeless without a job. And so we know that success is neutral, right? So I'm not talking about is success wrong or is money wrong or things like that. I'm talking about the love of success, The love of money. Greed is that deep selfish desire that I have to have more. Specifically about power, money, or material. Does this make sense? So where does it usually start? At a hint. What about an extra hour at work? An extra hour at work, a busy season. There's nothing wrong with that. But when that starts to grow inside of you to love it more, love what comes from that more, Have you seen how that hint starts to grow? Where that extra hour suddenly grows into many hours more and then I'm missing family group because I work late every night of the week. And every night of the week, there's no way I could do something at seven o'clock or 7.30 with my family group because I don't stop working until eight or nine. And that's not just a busy season, it's always, I've, I've grown to love it more and more and more. And then, but it doesn't stop there. I don't know if you're like me, but it doesn't just stop at missing family group. You start, start missing your family. And suddenly you're not at dinners, the family dinners anymore, and you're not there in the morning to help. And, mom, you know, the kids only see mommy or only see daddy just a couple small times a week because work has taken the priority. Now, yet again, disclaimer, some of us in certain financial situations need to work more to take care of our family. Yet again, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the love of money consuming us. And then where does that lead to? Well, you don't dismiss your family group. You don't dismiss family, but you end up missing God because work becomes your God. Where does it start? It starts all the way back at not, that doesn't mean you never say no to an extra hour, but it starts at what happens in your heart as you do that extra hour and what happens in your heart when you have that busy season. And you let that love of wealth and love of work start to grow and grow and take you to a place where your church and your family, much less God, can barely recognize you. Because you've become more about your job and about your success than the things that matter most in this life. You know, for me, you might say, well, Jordan, you don't know anything about that. Your job is in ministry. (laughs) Let me tell you guys. So I'm I'm a workaholic by nature. You know, it was ingrained in me at Georgia Tech. And man, if I'm not careful, like, okay, I'm not going to miss like family group or church because it's kind of part of what I do, right? When it comes to family dinners, when it comes to making sure I protect the family, I've had to get help from the elders, help from the evangelists in this to make sure that the church doesn't become more important than than taking care of my first ministry and my family. And, and I, I have to be careful to not let that extra hour, oh, babe, I can't make dinner tonight, or I'm walking in on the phone, sorry, I can't help out with bedtime. I, I have to make sure that I'm not letting that, it's not a desire for money in this career, but it's a desire for success, that the same thing, not become more important than success first with God, success second with my family, then success with the church third. I have to put it in the divine order. You guys following? But it all starts where it in the beginning at the hence. So here's the question. Where are you letting sin grow in your life? Where are you letting sin grow in your life? You lose every battle that you don't fight. Have you realized that? Every battle you don't fight, you lose. If Satan can convince you that that battle over uh, sketchy social media or that battle with a few more hours at work, or maybe it's the battle in your pride or the battle in your selfishness, the battle with obscenity, whatever it is, if he can convince you that that's not a battle, he's won. Because he goes, I got you. So if I can convince you it's not a battle, then here's what Satan does. Satan knows that if we have no urgency in repenting of our sin, then we will fall into his trap of writing off sin without realizing that it is growing inside of us. If we don't call out the hints, then Satan's already run and he's growing something in us. And we're grateful that righteousness can grow too, amen? Amen. But we gotta dig out that sin. And we gotta plant those seeds of righteousness. You guys following? All right, here we go. So that's that's point number one: sin grows. Point number two, as I pause for hydration. Is that sin brings death? Sin brings death. All right, here we go. If I if the scriptures haven't scared you off yet, wait till this verse. Here we go. In Ephesians 5.5, 5, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For this you can be sure. That because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. I know this morning when you were coming to church, you were hoping to hear a message about God's wrath. Like, I know that's where you were at. I know that's where you were at. Like when someone asks you, "Can you do family group this week?" Hey, you could either do it on the love of Christ, the joy of one another relationships, or the wrath of God. I know y'all are the people that sign up for the wrath of God lesson. Like, right? Isn't that? Am I? Am I right? I'm, I'm not right on that. That's not like the main message you'd want to preach on. Okay. Well, maybe we should get more excited about the wrath. I'm just All right, God's wrath. Woo. Okay. Here we go. Why is Paul so serious about the hint? Well, it's because he knows sin grows to death. It grows to create idolatry where work becomes the idol, where impurity becomes the idol, where self becomes the idol. And he's a father trying to love us saying, yo, that will send you straight to hell. And that will send you to a place of death on earth and death after earth. No one can inherit the kingdom of God if sin becomes full grown in your life. And then I don't know if what for you those empty words are. Like when he says, let no one deceive you of empty words, what are the lies from Satan of how you excuse sin in your life? Is it, well, it's not hurting anybody, or at least I'm not doing that. Or I used to be way over there, but I'm, I'm all the way over here now. I've, I haven't you seen how much I've grown? Or I mean, does anyone really have to know I mean, I've been, God knows my heart. God knows that this is just a one-off. What are those empty words that Satan lies to deceive you with? He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. He says, let no one lie to you. Don't even let yourself lie to you. Let no one lie to you and excuse sin in your life. Because of such things, God's wrath comes on those that do not submit to the rule and reign of King Jesus. This is a reality, church. This is a truth from the scriptures. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where as I've been trying to follow this, I can come to passages like this. And I'll wrestle with it. And there's been times in my life where I can just wish that these passages weren't here and that these kind of scriptures weren't in the Bible. Have you been there? And what I can want to do is try to create a Christianity where I'm following God, but I more design what that following looks like instead of going to this about what it looks like. And then what I can end up doing sometimes is I might go to a passage like this in Ephesians 5, and I'll go, you know what? This one in Ephesians 5 about God's wrath, you know what? I don't want that in my Bible. How about over there in James 1? How about over there in James 1? You know what? I don't, I don't want that in there anymore. My Christianity isn't going to include that. I'm going to design how I want to follow God. I'm not going to let him design it. Okay, I'm going to pause. That was our dictionary pieces. Okay, that was in my Bible. All right. There's fetoscope, fetlock, fetish, feet, feud. All right, so this is the dictionary. All right. This is the dictionary. Don't stone me. Okay. Jeff said I could do it. So if you have a problem, you know, email me at Hickman at nrcoc.com. Just. <laughs> uh, this is the Bible Tom gave me when he appointed me. I would not rip this Bible. Amen. All right. All right. Have you been there, though? And the truth is, this is, whew, okay, so the truth is that, that inward feeling, how dare you rip the Bible? Are you kidding me? You can't do that. But some of us have ripped the scriptures out of our hearts. You've gone and you said, I'm not following that. I'm going to create my own Christianity that doesn't include those verses. I'm going to pick and choose what verses I want to follow, but it's not going to be that one. Church, what scriptures have you ripped out of your apprenticeship to Jesus? What scriptures have you gone? You know, I'm going to follow that one, that one, and that one. But hey, don't talk to me about that. I'm going to form a new age around that one. We can get in this and you can get more mad at me for ripping the Bible than with indignation about ripping scriptures out of our lives. We have to we're either all about it or we're not. You guys following? Are you still mad at me for the... (laughs) Listen guys, the world can create whatever version of Christianity it wants. That's not my business. And there's so many other modern Christian groups out there that pick and choose what scriptures they're going to follow and which ones they're not going to. And you might not, you know, but here at North River, we're not going to be those people. We're going to be a church. We're going to be a family that wrestles with all the scriptures. That's willing to go there, not just on the comfortable verses, but willing to go there on the uncomfortable verses also. And I do want to speak to, you know, the process of maturing and maturity. If you're at a place where you, you haven't fully dedicated yourself to follow God yet, or you're in an intense place in your life, going through a lot, and you more need people to help you right now, this is an incredible place to struggle. It's an incredible place to feel like I'm trying to figure this out, and I'm questioning, and I don't know about this. I'm in a weak point. Can you help me? This is an incredible place for that. But that cannot mean we're not serious about the Scriptures, here's what kind of family we are going to be. We're going to be a family that's full of grace and truth because we are a family, right, guys? So here, I want to make two family statements. We're a family here at North River. North River is not a spiritual family where we abuse truth and shame people to change with no grace. Can we say amen to that? We're not going to do that. We're not going to do it. But here's what's also true. We're full of grace and we're full of truth. North River is not a spiritual family where we abuse grace and do whatever we want with no truth. Yeah. Can we say amen to that? Yeah. This is what kind of family we're going to be here, guys. We're going to f- meet each other fully with grace. We well, are so deeply loved. But because of that love, I'm going to call you to truth. Yeah. And I'm going to call you to save your soul. Why do we have this talks? So why are these even things that I am willing to talk about? It's all out of love. It's all out of, because I love this church. I love this family. I want as many people to be saved and inherit the kingdom of Christ as physically possible. I can't wait to 1,000 years from now having a North River Union in heaven. Isn't that going to be awesome? That's going to be great. I want every single person's voice, uh, every single person that can hear my voice to be there, but we're not going to get there if we let sin grow in our lives, We have to let the Bible help us, the whole Bible, not just parts of it. Amen? Amen. All right, last point. We'll fly through this. Here we go. All right, so sin grows, sin brings death, and sin can't stand the light. All right, right here, uh, back in Ephesians 5, let's check this out. Ephesians 5, we're just going to hit this next little section before we close. In verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Now check this out, verse 11. Have nothing to do, not even a hint, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather, what are we supposed to do with those hints, with those deeds of darkness? Expose them. So, it's to expose them, to expose our sins. You know, this goes so much in line with what Michael talked about last week about the cross shaped community, where we we really dove into the world says, you know what? What's most important is to present yourself with power, to present your best self, to put your best foot forward and let everybody see it. You know, you can be on family vacation, you guys can be at each other, screaming on the way to the Grand Canyon. When you get there, you're in front of the Grand Canyon screaming at each other, hey guys, stop, take a picture. Everybody smile like we love each other. Click, hey, best family trip ever. Like we can just want to (laughs) present. (laughs) We can want to present our very best selves and not expose nothing. The scriptures say to do the exact opposite. The scripture, I actually wear around my neck. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, my grace is sufficient where it says, uh, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because we're exposing that. You know, what do the scriptures talk about exposing our deeds? Well, it talks about how true strength is found in the person whose identity is so much in Christ that they're courageous enough to be vulnerable and share about their weaknesses. You know, here's some verses that kind of get into this, this uh, spiritual practice. First, it starts with confessing our sins to God, right? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive, forgive us our sins. So we start with confession to God, right? Then we confess to each other, James five sixteen: Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Notice when we confess to God, what does it say happens? We're forgiven. Now, we know that's not the only part of forgiveness, but that's a relational part. Forgiveness, when we confess to others, what happens? We're healed. So, when we, can, we don't go to other people to confess to find forgiveness. We go to God to find forgiveness, and we go to mankind to find healing. When you get those two things mixed up, you get really mixed up. All right? But they're both extremely important. So we confess to God to find forgiveness. We confess to each other so we can pray for each other so that we may be healed. And it's all so that sin can be exposed. I love this verse um, You know, concluding this point. Everyone who does evil hates the light in John 3. And will not come into the light for fear. Can you all read this with me? For fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. What does Satan want you to keep in the darkness that you haven't brought into the light yet? What is that that thing? What's that thing inside of you haven't exposed? That thing you haven't uh, confessed? That, That area you haven't been vulnerable about? Maybe it's just a hint right now. And Satan wants it to stay in darkness because sin grows best in darkness. It's kind of like cockroaches, <laughs> right? Like you lift up the dumpster, you know, and the light shines in, and the, what do the cockroaches do? <laughs> and you hope they don't fly in your face, right? Like, but it grows best in the darkness. Sin cannot grow in the light. It can't stand the light. So my call to all of us as a church family Confess your sin. Expose your sin. Let, let yourself come into the light. And you know what you'll find? You'll find life. True life isn't found when you're not known. It's really, true life is found when someone knows me completely and still loves me. That's where true life is. When I'm, when I'm trying to hide everything and I'm not confessing, I'm not exposing it, life isn't there. I feel beat up and in coward and who's going to find out? True life is found in exposing. Freedom comes when we let it out. The freedom to truly put it out there so that I can also be free from my sin and you can help me grow. And healing. You cannot find healing without exposing your sin, church. You can't find it. You gotta be willing to go there into the pain to open up the wound in order to find healing, not just to patch it back up. You have to confess it to find healing. I'm not calling this because... I want you guys to experience pain. I'm calling you guys to this because I want you to experience healing and experience freedom in life. Amen? Okay, three quick practicals right here. Um, Put into practice, don't write off the what? Small sins. We're not going to do it. We're not going to write off the hints. We're going to call out sin for what it is. We're going to call off sin and not let sin grow in our life. Number two, I'm not just want to call you to expose your sin. I want to give a new call to you to expose the hints, expose the hints. How do you stop sin from growing? Bring the light into it. On that trajectory, wherever you bring the light in, that makes the sin have to start all over again. And so if, you, if, you're, if you're one of the guys in my life, you might sometimes get annoyed, because I'll text really quote-unquote small things that I think the scripture says is intense. Hey, I was scrolling on social media and I saw this, I hesitated too long before I scrolled past. I, I, I try to go to the hints to confess. Because I know if I let that grow, it's going to destroy me. I'm only two bad decisions away from ruining my life. How about you? I don't have enough room in my life to not expose that stuff. Because I'll be gone before I know it. So we're going to expose the hints. Third, uh, vulnerability creates vulnerability. Now, this is when we're sharing with one another, but especially when we're studying the Bible with our friends and helping them grow. Don't show up with your neighbor, your coworker, someone you're trying to reach out to and expect them to share about their sins as you're sending out sin and not share about your own. Right, vulnerability creates vulnerability. Let me show you the countercultural cultural cross-shaped community that we're in right now. And let me expose myself instead of showing you power. And let that be an example of light to how they can also be invited into that community. So vulnerability creates vulnerability. Um, did I scare anybody away? Can we be a family about this? Let's be a family about this. We just talked about three things. We talked about how sin grows, how sin brings death, and how sin can't stand the lights.